Jesus. Amen. The text is the gospel from Matthew 14. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you catch it? It's the fourth watch of the night. And the disciples see something. Who is it? What is it? Appears to be walking on the water. Are the uh, deep sea waters and the waves playing tricks on them? Is the early dawn light making them see things? No. A man really is walking on the water, and yet these people in the boat, these disciples, know that men don't walk on water. And they're scared stiff, they're afraid, and you would be as well. What's their conclusion? Ghost. Apparition. Phantom. No. He's flesh and blood Jesus. He, the text says, came to them walking on the sea. And it's a good thing that he speaks. After all, hearing is believing not seeing. The epistle said, faith comes by hearing Christ's word. And so Jesus speaks. No, better yet, he, he preaches. Take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. The English translation is, it is I. That totally misses the mark. Doesn't cut it. You get the impression, if you read the English, it is I, that Jesus is just simply saying, hey boys, it's me. Not hardly. Literally, it's I am. Jesus identifies himself as the great I am from Exodus 3. You remember when God spoke to Moses from the bush that burned that was not consumed? I am who I am. I am is God's name in the Old Testament. In Hebrew, it's pronounced Yahweh. So Jesus is the great I am of Exodus 3. In the Greek, it's ego, emi, emi. So to put it bluntly, Jesus is saying, have courage. I am. I am the Lord. I am God for you. There's no need to be afraid. Now, I don't think Peter's convinced. Listen to what he says. Well, Lord, if it's you, <laughs> command me to come out to you on the water. And so the Lord Jesus speaks again. <laughs> A one-word sermon. Come. I love that. If only Kuhlman would give you a one-word sermon, <laughs> or maybe just a one-pager. But Jesus, he's quite categorical, and he's definitive. Come. And so he who speaks is no ghost, he's no phantom, he is the great I am in the flesh. The great I am through whom all things were made. The great I am who, as we heard in the Old Testament reading when God spoke to Job, who laid the foundation of the earth. He is the great I am that shut the sea behind its doors that made the clouds and said to the proud waves of the deep, this far you shall come and no further. Yes, Jesus is the same word of the Father that said, let there be light, and light there was. So when Yahweh, the great I am Jesus, says, come, his word does what it says. Peter comes out of the boat to walk with Yahweh, the great I am Jesus, on the surface of the the deep. Now I said and I meant deep. I hope you caught that. You're not falling asleep already, are you? Jesus is walking on the surface of the deep. This is an absolute miracle. Yes, it is. Now let's push it for all its biblical worth. First, let's note that the miracles of Jesus are not the laws of nature being suspended. Rather, his miracles are astonishing events that defy natural explanation. And second, his miracles are always meant to teach us something very important, especially salvifically important. Now, in this case, the sea 
as in the Old Testament, is a personification of death itself. In the ancient world, and I don't know, maybe this day, if you get on a boat on the sea, fishermen, they feared what? They feared the sea. And superstitious fishermen in the ancient world, you know what they would do before they'd go out on their boat? What would they do? They would offer sacrifices to the sea for safe passage. And if the sea wasn't terrifying enough, it was filled with all sorts of monstrous sea creatures. If you've read your Old Testament, you know who they are. Get your concordance out today and look them up. I'll mention them. Leviathan, Behemoth, Rahab. They are types or foretastes of satanically inspired antichrist. So in the Old Testament, the sea was a picture of death and the grave that swallowed you up whole, never to spit you out again. Let's not forget, too, that in the beginning in Genesis 1, the deep is what covered the earth when the Spirit of God hovered over its face and God spoke the creative and ordering word, his son Jesus, over it. So if you're smelling what Matthew is cooking, when Jesus walks on the water, the deep, Jesus is showing not only his lordship over all creation, but his lordship over death, hell, and Satan themselves. In addition, if you're picking up what Matthew is throwing down, Jesus is also walking on the backs of the satanic sea creatures, Leviathan, Behemoth, and Rahab, if you will, treading the old serpent, binding Satan, the great red dragon, underfoot as promised in Genesis 3.15. And when Peter is doing it, walking on the water with Jesus, defying death itself, and walking on its hellish back as though it were solid ground, reigning together with Christ. What does that sound like to you in the Bible? I'll tell you what it sounds like to me. Revelation 20. But that's another sermon. Let's keep in mind, Peter walks on the deep because Jesus, what? Jesus says so. Come. And his word carries Peter from the boat across the water right up to him. Now, Jesus speaks a different word to you. What do you think that is? Well, he's given you his word to be baptized in the triune name and to be taught everything he has commanded, Matthew 28. In Matthew 16, Matthew 18, and John 20, Jesus <coughs> has given you his word of forgiveness that opens heaven to you. His word is hooked with bread and wine today that gives you his body and blood, assuring you that his Good Friday death has justified you before God. In his promissory word of forgiveness, he bespeaks you holy, giving you his holiness. So his word of forgiveness preached, his word of forgiveness given in baptism, absolution and the Lord's Supper, they do and they give what they say. And where there's forgiveness of sins, there's life and there is salvation. Now, you don't walk on the water like Peter. Try it. Doesn't work for you because Jesus doesn't tell you to do that. He only told Peter to do that. But you live in and from what? <laughs> the water of your baptism every day. Drowned in Christ's Good Friday forgiveness. Buried with Jesus into his Good Friday death. Living with Jesus in his Easter Sunday life. And that is as sure as the word that propelled Peter out of the boat to Jesus across the choppy sea of God. Now I want you to learn something else today from Matthew's text. Did you notice that when Peter takes his eyes off of 
off of Jesus, away from our Lord's word, what happens to Peter? What's the answer? I want to hear it. What's the answer? He what? He sinks. That's right. Like a rock. What's the point? Well, when you too take off your, your eyes off of Jesus, when you take your ears off of his word, you too will sink. Apart from Jesus and apart from his word, you too will go under and you will descend and you will sink into death itself forever. And no doubt, that's what Peter is afraid of. Going under. Not being able to breathe. Dying! Drowning! He's just like us. Just like me. We're afraid that we'll go under. Not being, being able to breathe, to die. Drowning in the depths of death. Engulfed and swallowed up by the grave and Satan's hell of eternal damnation. Never to be spit out again. And so, brothers and sisters, it behooves all of us to keep our eyes fixed on our Lord Jesus Christ and our ears hooked to his, his word. That's the listening of faith, which is spelled T-R-U-S-T. Peter's eyes, ears, slash heart as well, needed to be on Jesus and his word. Not the wind, not the waves, not the boat. Not the crisis at the moment. Just Jesus. Only Jesus. Same with all of us. If you look around you at the world, if you look only at the current crisis of this pandemic, or if you look deep inside yourself, what will happen? Doubts will rise. Fears will grow, and you will sink like a rock. And that's why the Lord tells you to come here every Sunday to be with him and to hear his saving word. I know there are so many distractions, I know there are so many cases of doubt, so many fears, and I know there's so many idols, but when you lose sight of Jesus, you will drown. You will drown in pessimism, despair, guilt, fear. You will drown in your doubts, your skepticisms, your failures and weaknesses. You will drown in mistrust and sin and death. Now I say all of this too, because you must trust the power of our Lord's word to do what it says against all of your doubt, against all your fear, yes, even your old Adamic unbelief. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus could make Peter walk on water with just a simple word, well, then imagine what he will do when he tells you to do things according to his word, like, I forgive you, or on the last day when he speaks to you, come forth. What do you think will happen? His word does and gives what it says. You are forgiven and you will be raised. And that's why Peter then, when he begins to sink, what does he pray? <laughs> he can't rely on himself anymore, can he? So he has to pray, Lord, Lord, save me. Jesus is all that Peter had at that moment. Dittos for you and me. Peter's prayer is now my prayer, and I want it to be your prayer, Lord save me. And the text says immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of Peter. Now you tell me, whose grip is, whose grip matters the most in that moment? Yeah, our Lord, his grip is what matters the most. Did you hear what Jesus said to Peter? Oh, you live of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Why do I doubt? Why do you doubt? Well, it's easy. We don't trust Jesus in his word. We think that we have to add our words to his, as if our words are infallible and divine. And the sickness, of course, goes very deep within us. You know, um, Adam and Eve 
They said, they believed the lie, did God really say? And they put this sin into our humanity and it grumbles and rumbles around all the time. We act as if God's a liar and he can't be trusted. Did God really say? Does his word really work? Am I really forgiven? Justified? Am I holy before God? Am I? How can the world, can I be sure of this? Well, by the time Jesus puts Peter back into the boat, the wind dies down and the waves are quiet. And what do the disciples do? They stare at the Lord Jesus and they worship him, which is spelled F-A-I-T-H, the highest worship of Jesus. So all you can do at that point is simply worship Jesus, trust in him, be his hanger-on, be his faither, and then tell the truth. Truly, you are the Son of God, and he is. So as the Son of God walking on the water, Lord Jesus comes to you in the fourth watch of your day, when you are the weakest and the most exhausted, when you seem to no longer be able to pull your oars anymore in this life, when the depths of death seem to have had their way with you and your loved ones, Jesus speaks a sure and powerful word to you, which is forgiven. I died for you. <coughs> and you are, because he says so. His word of forgiveness is certain and sure. The same word that caused Peter to walk on the water is the same word that will raise you from death and the grave, the breath of eternal life in a resurrected body like the Lord's. In the meantime now, during this lifetime in which you live, suffering through this pandemic, eyes, ears, and hearts focus faithfully on Jesus and his word in which he says, Come, in the name of Jesus. Amen.